0: You are listening to Dr. Ward Bond's Life-Changing Wellness, the fastest growing natural health, nutrition, and inspiration podcast in the nation. Uplifting stories, powerful messages, and triumph over adversity, the experience of entertainment and encouragement is about to begin. And
1: now your host, Dr. Ward Bond.
0: Corey Singer is an accomplished singer, songwriter, musician, and theater performer. And he began his career in 2005 in musical theater And through 2013, he celebrated many achievements as an actor in musicals and Broadway. And as a musician, Corey Singer has performed in arenas before thousands nationwide. And he starred on Bravo's singing competition show, The Candy Factory, winning the grand prize, a song penned by Grammy-winning artist Candy Burris entitled I Can Do Anything. And Corey is an exceptional songwriter in his own right. His original songs are in very high demand, and country supergroup The Highway Women, now Electric Queens, recorded his song The Devil in 2018. And then in 2020, during the pandemic, Corey Singer took to TikTok and decided to share his journey with autism. And he has since become an influencer and an advocate for children, families, and adults who are on the spectrum. And he has used his platform with over 500,000 followers and 14 million likes to promote positivity by inspiring others coining the phrase let's normalize autism and additionally he is a part of the board of directors for the I am able foundation and is an ambassador for sound mind network so ladies and gentlemen let's welcome the multi-talented singer songwriter actor and global influencer for normalizing autism Corey Singer. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. I did all
0: that. <laughs> yeah. Hey, there was a lot of there's a lot of parts that I actually left out because you have done quite a bit in a very short amount of time. I mean, Corey, when did you first realize being a singer and a performer was what you wanted
1: to pursue? Well, at as ever since a young I was at a young age, I always liked being a center of attention. And so just kind of g- gravitated towards that. And for some reason, I just always wanted to be on stage in front of people and performing. And I finally got the opportunity in the fourth grade. I did the, my very first play, The Velveteen Rabbit. I was the clown. Uh, and I was hooked and I, I just did all the local uh, th- uh, summer uh, kid theaters in the summers and the school theater, the community theater, uh, did, you know, a little bit of regional theater, which is really cool. And it just it, it, it was a passion for me. You know, I just I just liked being on stage and just uh, showing off what I could do. Well, and
0: were you bringing- ever nervous? Were you nervous before going out to uh, perform or
1: act? I'm always oh, always nervous. I uh, The way the way I see it and a friend of mine uh, from theater put it best. If I'm not nervous, I don't deserve to be up there. Um, uh, I, I pride myself in wanting to give a thousand percent, no matter what, if, if it's a crappy venue or if it's like, uh, if it's a big stadium, like Madison square garden, I give it my all. Well, so. I
0: love that. I love it. I, I, I still get nervous uh, a bit before every interview. I'm kind of like you, I just want to make sure that I give my best, but how about you? You're on stage. Do you feel that you're just drawing that energy from the audience and that kind of ignites that passion within you?
1: Uh, Probably, yeah. Uh, I feel like a lot of that depends on person to person. Uh, A lot of times it's, I I, I always, my best performance has always happened when it's a back and forth with the audience. Like if the audience is reacting well to what I'm doing, that that kind of builds up more of, the confidence and just me wanting to give it back to them. It's like almost like a game to catch. You know what I mean? It's something we could all participate in. And if that makes sense, you know what I mean? Oh yeah,
0: yeah, definitely. Definitely. Now how did you get, um, how did you get onto Bravo's the candy factory?
1: So um, what happened is that uh, I did a, a national anthem gig down in Atlanta, Georgia, which is where, Ah, uh, the Royal Housewives of Atlanta is filmed, which is where Candy Burris is on. And Phaedra Parks was there, and she suggested I do the Candy Factory. And so I auditioned. It was it, I was uh, the summer before my senior year of high school, and it, it was a uh, it, it was an arduous process, but it was a very it was also fun because like each time was like okay, you're one step closer, you are one step closer. Had to film an audition video, and I, this is back when I was really immersed in the theater and that's when i started playing guitar i've been playing guitar for almost a year at that point point. and so the two songs i used to audition were i am what i am from college of fall and um that's a theater song and then which is a big positive song and then right after that to show off my guitar skills i sang needle and the damage done by neil young which is just a very o- opposite <laughs> uh downer song but i got on the show And uh, it was quite the experience. Uh, You know, it it was during my senior year of high school. I I told the principal and maybe one other person at the school that I was allowed to talk to. I couldn't tell anybody. Uh, I had to take a week off from school. And to go down to Atlanta to film it, I had to tell everybody, This is actually a funny story. And when I came back, you know, everybody was like, Corey, you're alive. Like, yeah, I had the flu. And then a couple months later, I actually ended up getting the flu. And so they're like, wait, you got the flu twice. I'm like, crazy, right? <laughs> now, did was the competition airing
0: while you were still a senior in high school?
1: Yeah. So we filmed it in either November or December of 2012. And it aired uh it aired uh during 2013 uh well uh towards the end of my senior year so
0: so did 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 you gain some extra fame being a senior in high school
1: yeah uh well I I was already being autistic you're already the weird kid (laughs) and I was kind of like the the odd dude but I, I got my respect from people from being the theater kid and being on stage, I always got all the leads and all the shows. I was always asked out to sing the national anthem on all the school sporting events. So people respected me, but after the show, people really respected me. Like everybody in the hallway stared at me and uh, it it, it was, it was a weird feeling. And then people, you know, recognized me after the show as well, uh, just randomly in public. And it it was a weird, it was cool, but weird. It's like, wow. Like, you, I have no idea who you are, but you know me. But, well, Corey, that brings up a good question.
0: Okay, so let's say you, you gained some fame senior year in high school for, by being on the candy factory. And so in a way, there's like a before a before Corey and an after Corey. But on the after, did that really help you or the, uh, the persona to all of your classmates? Did that normalize autism?
1: No. Um, no. Actually, no, like, here's the thing. I was, that was my thing. My, on those shows, you all have your story. And in the audition process, they say, okay, what's your thing? And there was, what was interesting about the show, it's not like American Idol or America's Got Talent where there's one winner in the end, there was a winner per episode and there's two people competing per episode. And so I was uh, up against a girl named Kristen, very nice girl who her story was her brother had died in a car accident years ago. And my story was I was the autistic theater kid. And so uh, we got along very well. We never felt like we were in competition with each other. We just like, we're we're very friendly, which was cool. But, uh, you you know, I, I talked about autism. There are things about the show that I feel like it kind of, They made it seem like I had more of a hard time than I did when actually filming the show, quite honestly, because when I got there in Atlanta, it was the first time I ever traveled anywhere by myself without my family. So, you know, I traveled from New Jersey to Atlanta. And the producers picked me up and I was like, oh, I'm a little nervous. And they were, they they got nervous and I called up my mom. They're like, hey, you know, like initially we said we didn't want you to come. But, you know, your son's nervous. He's autistic. And my mom's like, listen, he's he's got this. He, he can handle it. If he really feels like he needs you, needs us to, needs me to come over, he'll let you guys know. But he's got this. And it was a great growing moment for me. But, you know, I – like, for example, I had to learn – you know, the song that candy wrote for me, I learned it on my guitar and brought my guitar with me and they made it seem like I had a very difficult time learning it when really it was actually very easy for me. And it's like, it's just little things that, you know, you know what happens behind the scenes and then what they show when they air it, it's like, huh? So it was part you know, of it it's was
0: cool. television.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, there's also something interesting with that too. Uh, You know, this, you know, I know this, we're talking about going to TikTok in a little bit, but I also said I had Tourette's syndrome. Now, a doctor had diagnosed me with Tourette's syndrome, but I found out at 25 years old that I never actually had Tourette's syndrome, that it was just me stimming. And it was misdiagnosed, which was a byproduct of my autism, which I I didn't know. And so, like, on national TV, I'm just thinking, I said on TV that I have Tourette's syndrome. I don't even have it. I feel bad, but I thought I did. So it's like, it's crazy.
0: Well, for all of my viewers and listeners out there that, uh, you know, we've heard about autism, but a lot of people don't understand that in a way there's different types. So can you explain to us what it means by being on the spectrum?
1: So autism is a developmental disability. I was diagnosed around four years old. I actually didn't start speaking until I was about four years old, around the time I was diagnosed. And I, I was delayed in many ways. I was held back in kindergarten because everybody was surpassing me and I was kind of uh, struggling. And best way to describe it is imagine being an alien from a different planet, but you're trapped on on some someone else's planet. And you're like a fish out of water. That's basically kind of the best way I could describe it. Now I'm people consider me high functioning, which is a Outdated term. We like to use. I have low support needs, so I can I can drive. I could I could be in relationships. I have friends. I I'm very independent. I you know can be very self sufficient, but I have my struggles. Like a lot of times, I have a hard time understanding sarcasm. Uh, that could. You know, I I can understand it like better now than when I did uh, a long time ago. But then when I try being sarcastic, a lot of people think I'm being serious. So It's like, no, that was me being sarcastic. Uh, Getting overstimulated very easily. Like when I'm not doing music or TikTok, I work full time. And, you know, it's it's a great job. I work in a warehouse, but it can be very overstimulating with a lot of the noise and uh, I'm very routine oriented. And one thing happens that is not involved in that routine, I go berserk internally, but then I mask it by trying to keep it in all the time. Then when I get home, I just, I crash on the sofa, I'm burnt out. And, you know, I always say when you meet one autistic person, there's only one autistic person. Uh, I was diagnosed with uh, Asperger syndrome, which is again, a Updated term. Well, that like,
0: was actually going to be my next question, because, yeah. you know, for a lot of people out there who, who do not know, Elon Musk has Asperger's.
1: Yeah. yeah. Him, uh, Dan Aykroyd, Anthony Hopkins, Daryl Hannah, uh, Satoshi Tajiri, the creator of Pokemon. Like, wow. basically what I've noticed from a lot of autistic people and all my best friends were autistic. We're all very creative individuals. And, you know, if you harness it correctly, like, you know, when I do with my songwriting, you could probably create something or do something great. Like, you know, Elon Musk with Tesla, you know, Satoshi Tajiri with Pokemon, his special interests were bugs and video games combined to create a Pokemon. Like, uh, you know, there's when you get people who are autistic, when we have a something, certain interest, you know what I mean? We know everything about it. Like so when you hear us talking about it, it's not – we're talking with excitement because we know so much about it. We want to share that with other people. It's like uh, case in point. Like this is a stereotype. Like trains. It's like an autistic stereotype. that Autistic people like trains and like – let, let's take that concept, right? They will know every – when the first train was made, what model it was, what year was made. Where that company is now, every single train model there is, I'll collect train stuff, that that's basically, you know, an autistic person.
0: Well, then, Corey, let me ask you this. So let's say uh, Elon Musk sends out a a tweet or he makes a statement in the press., uh, you probably understand him a lot more than other people. probably. You know, because it only makes sense. And uh, but for you, How did you get started as an influencer?
1: So my label was telling me that I needed, you know, I've been doing music for the longest time. My label had been telling me to um, start a TikTok account, because TikTok was at the start of COVID, right? And it had been around before COVID, but it was during COVID when it really took off. And I'm like, okay, I'll get started, do some music stuff. But then I just more focused on posting funny stuff with a little bit of success. And one day I made a joke about talking about being autistic, like how Asperger's, it's a form of autism. And there's nothing wrong with that, except for the name, because it sounds like Asperger's, which (laughs) sounds like something you would get after eating McDonald's. And the video blew up and I'm like, I may have something here. And I just started posting more and more autism videos and learning more about autism. So I could better talk about it. And I figure, you know, I have it, I don't know that much about it. So I might as well do some research on it. And by doing that, I better understood myself. Because I, I, I started that when I was 25. And here's the thing. I, but before then, I'd actually been masking my autism so heavily and actually gotten to such a denial for a couple of years that I had autism and thought I cured my autism. I'm not autistic anymore which was the worst couple years of my life, quite honestly, Uh, because, and and I say this all the time on TikTok, masking is very, it's not great for autistic people who are able to do it. Like I can mask, but we're doing it for the benefit of other people and not for ourselves. Here's the thing that the, the system's rigged against us. We learn how to behave like other people, but other people don't want to learn what it's like for us. You know what I mean? but that's why I do what I do. On, yeah. TikTok.
0: Perfectly said, because I've watched some of your uh, videos on Instagram where you were, where you're openly talking about autism and then explaining it. And I think that is fantastic. And I can, and I completely understand where you're coming from where, you know, you shouldn't be masking. You are who you are. Exactly. And you know, and I, and I love when you coined the phrase, let's normalize autism instead of basically, well, trying to be like everybody else just to make them feel at ease about being around you or other autistics. You are who you are. You're unique. You bring such incredible talent to all of mankind and uh, i mean i was sitting here today between interviews listening to uh all of your songs and your incredible voice i mean my goodness gracious i mean i can see why you're on broadway or performing
1: at madison square garden you've got what it takes haven't gotten to broadway or madison square garden yet but um um i'm there's wood right there. I'm, I'm knocking on wood. So. Well,
0: we, I'll, do, I'll just speak that into being for you. But tell us more about using your social media platforms to advocate for other autistics. And what is the most meaningful to you about being able to make these connections with other people?
1: So everything I'm about to say, I say humbly. I don't. I always say that because I always feel like I'm bragging and I'm not. So when I was younger, when I was 10 years old, YouTube was just starting. You know, and YouTube wasn't what it was today. You, I remember the YouTube when it first started. People just posted funny short videos and stuff. People posted stuff from movies and all that. But then YouTube became an outlet for people. And, you know, I, of course I use TikTok. And, you, you know, talking about autism, like I said, before then I had been masking so heavily by my autism. And... Denying that I even was Autistic and it helped me accept myself even better. I love myself now even more than I did long ago, many years ago. But the reception I've gotten from many people, like they feel like my videos say that it, it helps them be heard. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, completely,
0: it completely makes sense because I saw one yeah. of your videos, which I just thought was fantastic. And you just spent a few minutes explaining about dating and I just thought that was absolutely fantastic and uh you know for everyone watching and listening Corey uh for someone like you who is high functioning dating is just as normal as it is for everybody else correct
1: it could be and that's part of it too like you know my my ex-girlfriend You know she learned a lot about autism from dating me she you know we met online um we uh you know she knew i was autistic but i masked it a little bit so like you know but then you know when you're together for a minute you just start letting go and being yourself and she learned so much about autism from me and uh you know that that's meaningful like she said like it's something that you can't help having and it's just not fair that people judge you like that But, you know, and also get messages from people online, you know, when I post on TikTok, like that, that they say they see my videos, they relate to the stuff I'm saying. And they go to doctor and they say they think they may have autism and then they find out that they they get a diagnosis like, oh, my God, I've been autistic. This explains everything. Like, I, you know, one of my mother's uh, best friends, she was watching my videos and she was like, wait, this is my daughter and discovered that her daughter may be autistic and right. explain so much. Yeah,
0: yeah because um, I think one of the big uh, surprises uh, when it comes to, let's say, famous talent like yourself, you know, when Simon Cowell discovered Susan Boyle, people did not know that yeah. she had a form of autism. Yeah. and uh, But again, high-functioning. Uh, extremely talented, just like you. And there's more out there. And do you find it uh, surprising? You know, you got diagnosed early, but then a lot of these people like Susan and and others, they don't get diagnosed until much later on in life. And then all of a sudden the light bulb goes off inside of them. Like, so that's what I've been dealing with all these years.
1: Yeah. I don't find it surprising, quite honestly, uh, because... Here, here's the thing, like, I'm I'm a younger guy, I'm not trying to say, like, oh, they're old, but it's like, they're they're coming from a time where autism was much more of a taboo subject. We don't, they didn't, back then in the medical field, they didn't know as much as, you know, they know and the general public know now. And the general public is still learning at this point. Like, that's partly why I'm talking about it. But, you know, I, I get messages from people who say, like, you know, I, I was diagnosed late in life at, like, 60 I'm like, wow, like, but doesn't surprise me. Like, because here's the thing, think of it, like, go back to what was the first movie you could think we could all think of that really talked about autism in the mainstream? It was Rain Man, Rain man. That was the very first uh, movie to really talk about it. Before then, there wasn't really much many mainstream movies that talked about autism. And it, it helped bring it to the limelight. But then people thought, oh, that's autism. You're Rain Man. It's like, no, I'm not, I'm not Rain Man. And you know, that's partially why people like me and other people on social media post about being autistic We're trying to get rid of that stigma. There are definitely people like that out there. And we're not denying that at all, but there's people like us too as well. And our needs don't get met the way they should have been. Like, I, I wish there was someone like me on TikTok or YouTube When I was 10 years old, when I was struggling in school, when I was struggling, you know, to try and figure myself out. And, you know, now with that, what the younger people have that someone like me didn't have, they have people like me talking about it. And their parents could see it, too, as they get better understand their children.
0: So what type of positivity are you receiving from fans that are autistic versus, I mean, along with the parents, what are you hearing from them when they're seeing you sing and you're and you're talking openly about your autism, what are
1: you receiving from them? Uh it, it, it's great. It, it really it really it's it's great because a lot of parents, you know, whenever I go live on TikTok, I get the same messages. It means so much like you're helping me understand my child better. And you know, that's it, it, and I say this humbly, it means a lot that like just just talking about it could help, you know, change someone's life. You know, and other people says like it makes me understand myself better. I use your videos to help people understand me better because I knew all this, but I have you who's able to verbalize it for me. I show it to them and they're able to understand it better. I'm like, "Oh." And it's just it, it, it it's very humbling. That that that's the best way I can think about it. It's humbling.
0: Well, you must bring a lot of peace as well as understanding to a lot of parents out there who haven't really grasped uh, to understand their child with autism. And I think you're you, definitely you're helping them along uh, along their journey and, and make it more positive and happier.
1: Yeah. And it's if I could have a that's something, like I said before, I, I wish I had when I was younger. You know, it would have helped my family. It would have helped me out. It would have helped my school out. You know what I mean? I had an IEP and it barely did anything for me. I got maybe extra time on a test. I got an extra teacher in the classroom. Other than that, it like didn't help me out that well in school. I was a bad test taker. I I barely made it and I was lucky to have made it. But now, you know, because of people, you know, like myself and other people who I'm friends with on TikTok and Facebook and what have you, you know, we we get rid of that stigma. We educate people. On what it's really like, so it can help young children who may not completely understand it. But now we have people who, you know, teachers can better understand it, so they can better teach their students and oh, yeah. help their
0: students. Yeah, and and you know, even when I, even when I see interviews like with like, and I'll just use Elon Musk as an example, and I, and I already knew about his condition, already knew uh, with his autism, but when I'm hearing him speak about whatever he's talking about, the thought of autism never enters my mind. I mean, I'm talking to you now. Autism does not enter my mind because, you know, yes, you are high functioning. And, and I think you're the perfect example of normalizing autism. And, and, yeah. and, you know, when you brought up Rain Man, you know, that's the bad thing about Hollywood. Hollywood creates a stereotype. and can make it very tough on other people.
1: It does, and it's a stereotype that, unfortunately, I, 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 we're getting better at portraying autism better. Like, I think the accountant was a great step in. Like, I think that's one of the best autism movies because
0: one of my favorite I, movies of all time, and, yeah, and the that, sequel is coming, from what
1: I hear. Oh uh, yes, but but Ben, I Affleck you know i tip my hat to him as as an actor because one thing he really did that no other autism movie show no other actor has been able to do is show what masking is like for an autistic person and that movie is a perfect representation of what it's like for someone to you know who can function in society and has to mask you know like the show when he's un not able to finish what he loves to do which is math it sends him into a tizzy it's like that's what it's like for me like my day is perfectly scheduled out And one random thing comes in and and ruins it. I'm like, "Mm," but I gave advice recently on TikTok and said like, if one thing, and this has helped me as well. And that's why I gave the advice is to come up with a backup plan. You know what I mean? Just, you know, a nice backup plan. If that doesn't work out, okay, I I can fall back on this. And I get that advice. And some people said this actually helped my kid. So, uh, but the movie is a great representation. Like I say, like, go see The Accountant. And I think Ben Affleck did a fantastic job. It didn't feel like an exaggeration. Like you see a lot of times. It didn't feel like, Oh, like he's like, it shows like the autistic person can, you know, do well in life.
0: Well, yeah. And what I, and I've probably seen the accountant probably like 10 times. And what I love the way he portrayed it, and you'll probably agree with this, is that not only did he show his outer self to everyone that he was in contact with, but the film showed how he was by himself oh, yeah. alone at home. And I even liked the way that, and you can answer this question, how the, how he portrayed his character when he was talking to a girl, which, you know, there was a little struggle there, but he was, you could see the growth through the film as
1: it moved along. I, I related to that. Uh, <laughs> I didn't start uh, being intimate. I was I was a late bloomer. Now nah, that's getting really personal, but uh, <laughs> no. But you're right. Like when, like you said, like autism would never come to your mind. It's like that's true. Like that's that's part of masking. I only let people see, and I, I say this on TikTok. You only get to see what I put out there. You see me in my private time. Like you don't see me after a long day of work and me just like being burnt out and just kind of you've never seen my autistic meltdowns like no, they like I have melted down very badly before. At one point, I almost and I feel bad about this. And I almost blew out one of my mom's eardrums like I was screaming so loud from a a meltdown. And it it, people don't realize that like, yeah, on the surface level, I, I may appear just like you. But this is still something that I do have to deal with, unfortunately, and it's beyond my control. Like, I'm never not going to be autistic. I'm always going to be autistic. And that's one thing I like to stress on TikTok. Your child is never not going to be autistic. Even into adulthood, the autism is going to stay there forever. I'm always going to be like this. Um, Sure, maybe in the future, there'd be better ways of me dealing with it, you know, because I'm still learning as well. And I I was diagnosed as a child. But, um, y- y- you know, it's, it's like you said, on surface level, I always get told, you don't look autistic. It's like, well, how am I supposed to look? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I, I, kn- I know what you mean.
0: I, I <laughs> completely understand what you mean. But let me ask you about your, your singing and your songwriting. Tell us a little bit about the music you create, that you create, and is there any tie-in to your autism?
1: There's one song that is a tie-in to my autism, and it's, it's uh, you may have heard it, it's Someone. Yes, I love that song. Thank you. And I Uh, love the
0: acoustic version.
1: Ah, thank you. Uh, That's actually one of my favorite songs I've written. So i had been writing, I think for about eight, like seven or eight years at that point. And I had grown a lot as a writer, but that was the first time I got truly vulnerable and honest in my writing. And it was in the midst of COVID. And like right at the beginning, we were locked down. And I was lonely too. And I just got, I just put it down on the paper. And it, it was late at night. I came up with that uh, chorus, you know, I need someone to love me as I am. Like that. I went to bed and the next day I woke up. I went for a walk. I came home and I wrote the song in maybe 20 minutes. And it was a quick write because I just, I just got honest. And i started writing like that more and actually this goes back to the candy factory candy burris doesn't know this but she kind of is what who planted the seed for songwriting for me i've been playing guitar for a year when i filmed the candy factory and me and kristen she wrote songs on our based on our stories and all that mean me as i could do anything and hers was we she were here, you know for a brother but she gave us both lyric sheets you know verse pre-chorus Chorus, verse, pre-chorus, chorus, uh, bridge, chorus, an MP3 with the song with her vocals and then an MP3 of uh, just no vocals so we could practice with it. But I brought my guitar with me and I'm like, it, it's written out right in front of me. It is that simple. It's that easy. Like it's just – that's how that's a song right there. And right while we were filming, I that's when I started writing. And I just kept writing ever since. And that's what eventually led to someone.
0: Well, and, Corey, yeah. let me ask you this, because um, it's almost like Ben Affleck and The Accountant. Mm-hmm. Very excellent at math. So when that situation was laid out in front of you, did it just almost become like an equation? Like the light bulb went off and you're like, bam, you started understanding songwriting and the breakdowns of certain areas and, and putting it together?
1: Songwriting, I think is, is a bit of a different animal. Like y- you don't just, you're not good at songwriting right off the bat. I still remember the early songs I wrote. They were, they weren't bad, but they were pretty terrible. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it, it's one of those things like, like working out. You know what I mean? When you first start, you're gonna be weak. You're gonna you're gonna struggle, but you just gotta keep going and going and going and you get stronger and stronger and stronger. That's songwriting. And you have to learn different techniques of how to write songs. And that's what I did. You know, I carry around a little notepad with me all the time. Everywhere I go. If I hear someone say something that sounds interesting, I'll write it down. I'll be at my day job. I'll start writing a song while I'm at my day job. Like I'm always Always working. I wake up an hour before work. I live close enough to my job, or I could just walk there if I wanted to. But I, I take like 20 minutes, a half hour. I'm learning piano right now, and I'm, I've been playing for five months. And I practice before work. So if like I get a busy evening where I don't have the time, I'd say, okay, at least I did that. And after work, it's like filled with songwriting, making TikToks, and you you know songwriting it goes back to what i said earlier in the interview i'm a very cre i'm a creative person you know what i mean i like i i liked drawing when i was a little kid i liked figuring things out and with songwriting i think it's the perfect outlet for me because i love performing i love being on stage why not create something where i could perform it and it really comes truly from the heart
0: no absolutely what are some of your long-term goals uh for the future of being a musician and even an advocate for autism.
1: Broadway, Madison Square Garden. And, uh, <laughs> uh, You're going to get there. I know it.
0: You, you have the- more than enough talent, Corey.
1: Thank you. And uh, in terms of the autism advocacy, I, I definitely want to keep going. I'm always going to go with that. And let's say I do get famous. I'm not going to hide it. And I'm going to tell people like straight up, like this is what it's like. And I don't want to... I don't want to come off as like, oh, look at them. He's autistic and he's a singer-songwriter inspiring. Like, no, that's not the goal route I'm trying to go. I'm trying to be like, no, like this is something I got to live with. And I'm not trying to be inspiring. A little bit I am, but that's not the end goal. It's to educate people to help them. Not to like go, look, if I could do it, you could do it too. Like, I no one is ever going to be like me. And I'm never going to, like my best friend, uh, Drew. Shout out to Drew um he's autistic too we've been friends since we were ch- kids uh i'm never going to be like him and he's never going to be like me but um like i said no two autistic people are the same but That's true. you know if i can do a way into to help you know kids understand themselves better parents understand their kids better teachers understand the students that they're teaching society understand autistic people as a whole we're trying to get it's a disability people like to deny that it is a disability we want people to understand it the same way that people understand blindness the way they understand deafness we want people to understand autism like that they think that because i am considered quote unquote high functioning that i can't that i should be perfect that i shouldn't have any struggles no i have struggles i can't like i'm always going to have these struggles i can't help the fact that i have these struggles it's up to you to understand I have these struggles and learn how to deal with it. Because we shouldn't have to keep placating to you, start placating to us now. It should be an equal playing field.
0: I completely agree with every word you just said, Corey. And, And ladies and gentlemen, that's why Corey Singer's on the show today. So we can all learn about autism. We understand being the spectrum, understanding that we need to learn more about what autism is and uh Corey, wow when are we going to see a full-length album from you
1: i'm working on it right now actually <laughs> i just record i just recorded a song a couple days ago we're putting it together right now uh don't have the date on the album but i have the date for my next single coming out which is a proposal song called chance of a lifetime it's going to be available on all the streaming services july 8th so you could go to all the streaming services you could pre-order the song, go to my website corysinger.com and it could take you all there. July 8th is when it releases. So if you're a, want to propose to your special someone, that song's for you. And uh on and your website again is like
0: corysingermusic.com?
1: No, corysinger.com.
0: corysinger.com and that's it, that song's on your website now, isn't it? The proposal?
1: Uh A clip of it is just a pre-order. I I listened to
0: the clip today, and ladies and gentlemen, you're going to literally fall in love with this song. Corey just said it's going to debut July the 8th, you want, and I'm going to tell you something, and Corey, I tell all of my viewers and listeners, when I have recording artists on the show like you, you buy the music, don't download for free. Because that's how full-length albums get made, because you buy the singles. So, Thank you. And, Corey, when I heard the clip of The Proposal, and, and let me tell you something, not only is this, the, the clip beautiful, again, you have the most remarkable voice. I, I can see you on stage with Andre Pacelli. Uh, Bob, I mean... Bob. Josh Groban, I put you in that category because you've got that much talent.
1: Thank you so much. That means a lot. Thank you.
0: And again, I want to thank you for being on the show today. Ladies and gentlemen, please head over to CoreySinger.com. Follow him on Instagram, TikTok. You're going to be a fan just like I am. The moment you hear his voice singing, you're going to be drawn in. You're gonna be an instant fan, and just like me, we're gonna be waiting for that full-length album, Corey, and you gotta promise me, when that album debuts, you gotta come back on the show.
1: Yes, sir, yes, sir. And thank you again so much for having me. It's been been a pleasure.
0: Well, it's been enlightening for me. It's been an education, and you have given me more to think about and more to learn about uh, autism. And, uh, and, and incredible people like you. So ladies and gentlemen, again, go to coreysinger.com at the bottom of your screen and stay tuned. I will be right back with more.
1: No energy? Always fatigued? Has your got up and
0: go, got up and went? Primrose Leafs Pro Max 365 helps to produce natural energy, increase endurance and stamina, improve performance during exercise, reduce pain from fibromyalgia, and is excellent for cardiovascular support. A doctor-designed, deliciously berry-flavored formula that's great for ages 18 to 99. Order Pro Max 365 and get the natural energy you've always wanted. Call 844 376 0007. Refuel daily with Pro Max 365 and get your life back.